everybody, this is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Welcome to the show. Back on schedule this week with reviewing movies. Last week, we did a reaction to the Oscars. That happened. Mm -hmm. And now, today, we are going to do a review of the Best Picture winner of 2021. The 94th Academy Award winner for Best Picture, of course, went to CODA. We know that now. Beating out the original favorite, The Power of the Dog. Coda becomes the first streaming movie to win Best Picture. The first for Apple, beating Netflix and Amazon, who have been fighting for it for a long time. So interesting stuff. But we're going to talk about the movie today, not mm -hmm. the Oscar portion of it. Coda is about a girl, Ruby. Coda stands for Child of Deaf Adults. Uh, Ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family. And when the family's fishing business is threatened, Ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her love of music and her fear of abandoning her parents. So, I was trying to think of the order we all watched this in. David, I think you're the only one who watched it post-Oscars, right? Yes, I watched it. Andrew I watched thought it just before. before. Okay, cool. I don't really mind who starts it. Why don't we start with David just because you saw it for the first time recently. Mostly. Yeah, I'll, let's start. Because there's a lot of different, I think, aspect like avenues you can take on this. Like, I, just to start with the story itself, okay. before we get into sort of the accolades and get into the uh, the conversation around the film, I think it's a fairly crafted story. That it's a difficult. It's I think it's a very difficult uh, circumstance, very difficult situation because you know, you're writing for uh, deaf actors, and uh, there's a lot of parts in the movie that where the dialogue is purely just sign language. So. It's a very challenging idea, and I think that they accomplished it really well. I think the, the actors in the movie do a, a good job. I think that the singing is good. I like the musical component of it. I have a bone to pick there, but it is a very personal bone, which I'll, I can pick now or I can pick later. Should I well, pick you, you might as well yeah. pick it now. Do you got a problem with one of the songs? Oh, no, I have a problem okay. with all the songs. All of them? As a choir kid, I was in choir. And I'm just going to put this out there to all the people out there who are listening to this podcast. If you were a choir kid, please comment on this video and tell me, did y'all sing good songs in choir? Because we didn't. There was none of this. There was none of this <laughs> white. No Joni Mitchell. The most modern song we sang was Kansas, Carry On My Wayward Son. All right? That was as modern as it got for choir. It, it, he goes, we had to pick a classic piece by Joni Mitchell. <laughs> no, we sang songs that were French. We sang 18th century French songs. That was what we had to practice all the time. And that's fun songs. And that is why nobody wants to join a regular choir group. I know. Get me Bernardo Villalobos and I got it. I got Bernardo. Bernardo. And I, and I say, me, I'm sorry. That was the part where everything else was fine, but I was disconnecting on that a little bit because I was like, <laughs> this is way too fun for choir. Like we did not sing fun songs. And we didn't know we definitely didn't get to sing Barry White or uh, what was the other one that they that was the one they sang for the show. They sang uh, 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 the duet or the duet. What was the name of the duet song? I can't remember. Uh, you're the only one I need, I think. Something like that. You're all, you're all I need, need. is a very fun song, a very good song. Not likely for it to be a song that would, I would ever hear in a choir. So if you're out there and you took choir, was it just my choir teacher who subjected us to no songs at? After 1900, except for Kansas, Carry On My Wayward Son. I think maybe you needed to join show choir. I did. I needed to join a, a fun choir. Anyway. Not, not whatever this 18th century French. Well, that was what we did. I remember, I, I remember auditioning for regionals, and I got it. I'm not humble brag. 
<laughs> I, I had to sing. I had to sing a song. None of it was in English, so I had to learn the song. I don't know what it. I don't even know what I sang. <laughs> Do you, like, you don't even know the language? No, it was German. I had to sing. Okay. I had to sing the song. The whole thing was German. But you made it. So, I did. I got through. Well, apparently, it worked out well enough. You know how how nerve wracking it is to sing when you don't really actually know what you're saying. You made it to regionals, but did you make it to the semi regionals and then go to the state and then the state? No, I just went state to the finals, I, I don't, then the Glee I don't, Club finale. Is that how? I don't remember where I finished, but I know that I made. I made like. Uh, I don't know if it was all state tenor, if it was all regional tenor, but we got to go and we sang at, I think it was First Methodist in Tulsa, which is this really large, really nice cathedral kind of building. Cool acoustics. Anyway, that is my the phone, but the movie itself is very nice. It's very good. I think the story is very interesting. I'll defer to someone else now. Garrett, you go next because you saw the earliest of all of us way before it was ever an Oscar conversation piece. Yeah, go back to our end of the year review and you can hear me talk about Coda because it was in my top five just behind Summer of Soul, which also was an Oscar winner that I had watching. So I was really excited that this picked up momentum. It was, for me, this movie just turns me into a fountain of tears, just non-stop. Hmm absolute tears because it is just genuinely for me a heartwarming story of someone who is and the, and the communication that they they have there because it just amplifies all of these things that most teenagers go through most teenagers can associate with this point in life of wanting this thing and being afraid of leaving their parents because that you know that's the leaving of the nest the, the, that moment that every kid has in this case, it's amplified because of the fact that she is the only person who can hear in a situation where her family does need someone who can hear. So by her going after this thing that is so meaningful to her is only amplified by the fact that she is afraid of leaving, but also amplified by the fact that her family doesn't get it. But then you have the mentor who does. And so she's got this just <laughs> equally conflicting thing that's just tearing her apart. And she finally had that confrontation and, and it's just so well done. And for me, there are moments where that are just so powerful, where Troy Kotzer puts his hands on his, on Ruby's neck to, to hear her, or to feel her vibrations and, and really understand it. And then silence is really powerful when they turn off the silence mm. in the concert and you hear, you're seeing everything from the perspective of her family. Who are the only people who can't hear her daughter or their daughter singing and their sister singing, but they see the impact that she's having on the crowd and that it's his wheels. You see these moments and they're just really powerful and, and so well-performed and acted that it really just hits me in a way that's, oh my God, everybody's so good. It's a shame that the actor who played Mr. V was not nominated as well, because I think that he is really the standout performer of everyone who does a great jump, not to take away from Troy, obviously, but like that performance from Mr. V was fantastic. And so I have nothing bad to say about this movie. I love it a lot. Andrew, let's go to you. Like I saw this the night before the Oscars because I couldn't see it in theaters and I didn't have, at the time I didn't have, uh, it was only streaming on Apple plus Apple TV plus. So I saw it the night before the Oscars. And I was starting this movie. I was starting this movie thinking that this was going to be just a sad. Cause I don't know why it's just like the majority of the nominees this year, most of them, the majority of them were pretty sad. I'll just get that out. But like, no, it's 
this movie is like the definition of a feel-good movie. And it's really the one thing that, you know, I mean, just something that just makes you feel good whenever you want to learn more about it. I, I, I got to admit, I want to learn a little bit more about sign language. I think it's really interesting. It's, I think it's a unique way of communicating. But like the story was incredibly good. The performances were incredibly good. Yes, I believe that the guy playing Mr. B should get more recognition because I think he was the driving force of it. I think he was kind of the driving force of getting Ruby to where she needs to go. Not necessarily where she wants to go, but where she needs to go. Because obviously her future is not in fishing. But all in all, it was just a fantastic move i cannot say one bad thing about this and david i hate to argue with you man but i i the music is so good hey he didn't in his defense he didn't say it was bad he just that's said true. It didn't feel it's realistic to him no, so no, he wasn't good it just made me angry because that's because he, he missed out that's what he wanted to do and for the record uh, real quick eugenio derbez is his name so we don't call him that guy okay that guy. eugenio I did it too i did it too Yes, he was um, the uh, Eugenio Derbez. He was the voice of the Grinch in the Spanish translation of 2018's The Grinch. How about that? Oh. Yeah, I'll wrap up this our, our little first reactions by saying I also really enjoyed the movie. I I think I I watched it a second time this week and I probably liked it even more. The first time I watched it was as God intended on my phone on an airplane, <laughs> and it still was really good. I think it can be hard to it's hard for me anyway to watch a movie on my phone in that kind of environment, but an airplane is pretty much the only place I'll do it on purpose. And it still brought me in. I sucked me in and I enjoyed it a lot. Yes, we've been given a lot of good praise to Eugenio, who absolutely deserves it, and Troy Kotzer winning that Oscar. But I also want to highlight Amelia Jones, who I thought was extremely good as Ruby in this. I watched an interview clip of her um, talking about being cast in the role and getting ready for it and all that stuff. And she said that originally the director wanted to find a child of a deaf adult to feed into that realism, have it someone who's really lived through that. And they ended up settling on Ruby um, because she related in another way where she had never been trained in singing at all. She'd never taken a singing lesson or anything. So she was able to meld into that role of this talented girl who's never really done anything with it before. So that impressed me even more because I thought her singing was pretty strong for someone without a lot of training. And she also said that she didn't know a lick of sign language before this movie either. So she wow. uh, learned how to sing and learn how to speak sign for this role, which is, come on, that's crazy. Yeah. There's a lot of elements at play here. And, and I think that is another reason why I really like it is because it, it shows another element that you don't see on screen a lot, which is a, a deaf community. And you've had several, you had the Sound of Metal a few years ago that was nominated and highlighting the deaf community. And so you're getting more of that on screen, but I really Quiet like movies. I'm sorry? In the Quiet Place movies? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you're seeing a lot more of that come into play. And I really think that should be considered in, in directing, just in general. Can you imagine the communication barriers if you don't have a good director and a good staff who knows how to communicate with people? And again, if she didn't know any kind of sign language, to have that chemistry can be very difficult and so that should be something that is considered by oscars and awards for just directing in general and is the communication that they that he really puts in there they really put into it to make sure everybody is is 
on the same page, despite whatever barriers that may be seen in the first place, they, they can be overcome and they, everybody is relatable as people, despite whatever communication or, or differences that they have. And so you see this on screen in a way that is really cool because you don't see a lot of child of deaf adults or uh, of deaf families like that. And so it's a really interesting story, especially when you put her in that situation of already being a teenager, which is weird enough and having to defend her family. And, and that whole, it just adds so much to what we already can relate to yeah. and see how much it, it adds to they have as family. So it, again, it, it's just putting more information out there for people to see and relate to. It's also good. Yeah, it, it takes a situation that a lot of teenagers can relate to and adults who have been teenagers and shows them, okay, now imagine you were part of this community and you had to deal with these struggles. So it, it does open it up to, to help people more easily be like, wow, okay, yeah, I can see the challenges there. And sort of imagining Ruby having to go through all that together is... That's a lot for a kid to handle. Yeah. And you yeah. got the jackass teens over there being like, I smell like fash. Yeah, and you're just nothing. nothing. And, and while this is not a knock on Mr. V as a teacher, because he's very good, he's also really harsh and aggressive, which adds stress to the kid. But I think he does it right. Yeah. But it adds. <laughs> being yelled at and being told if you're one minute late, never come back. Like that kind of stuff stresses a kid out. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think the movie does a good job of normalizing the, the family. It makes it not seem that it makes it feel like it doesn't feel like it's a weird adjustment for them. Like they feel like they have their thing figured out in terms of Mr. V. The funny thing is that he really reminded me of a lot of coaches I've known, whether in sports or otherwise, he has that sort of drive and that very like strict like a regimented way of doing things. I mean, you think a lot of people perceive that a lot with sports, but it, it very much exists in the, I'll say artistic world where people who train people to sing and train people to, to play an instrument, stuff like that, they can be as harsh as a lot of, as any football coach in terms of making, don't waste your time. If you're not in this hundred percent then you're not in it, you know what I mean? Um, so I thought that was a very uh, realistic performance as well. One of the things that I did in my time was uh, uh, work with kids at a nonprofit. And so it's always fun to see how, how teachers are presented in certain ways. And one of the things that is difficult, Josh, you mentioned this off mic, was his ability to, to get a teenager to care, which is hard enough. To, but when they're yeah. good at something, it's hard to get them to care. And one of the things that he's, he does well, is, and I think is a really good sign of, of a mentor in some way, shape or form is he's not afraid to be a fool. There are moments, like he can clearly see in moments that she's embarrassed. And so he does that for the, the little dog, medium dog, big dog thing. He puts himself out there so the kids don't feel embarrassed. And that is, I think, important, especially for that kind of an age for people to think of. If you're trying to connect to somebody, if you are able to put the tension out there and, and make yourself a little silly, that loosens them up and gets them to care more and shows that you are. And then you counteract that with that drive that he shows and that harshness of you still have to take this seriously. Yeah. And that's just a good mentor. And I think it's something that people should look at as far as not at the same level of Ted Lasso, but if you're looking at how to mentor somebody, that is a way to start. Yeah. He's got that good moment in the choir classroom where he's having them all do the little dog, big dog breaths, and he's cannot understand 
in the moment why any of them would be embarrassed. It's very fun to see him be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and then later in the movie, when he's working with Cookie on her solo, he's trying to get her to show some emotion in her voice. So he pisses her off a little bit and it works. You see, if you f just allow yourself to feel anything, you're great. And I like that. Yeah, there is some good uh, uh, mentor stuff. I don't know how much time we have left. Am I coming in okay? You're good. Okay. Yeah. All right. I had something to say in my state. My, my connection was unstable. I would like to wait into the lion's den if I, uh -oh. because I Please. think all three of you really like this movie. This was, I don't think, best picture. Having seen, it's, it's, I don't know. Having seen four of them, I haven't seen the other ones. I haven't seen King Richard. I haven't seen Dune, Licorice Pizza, or Belfast. But having seen most of them now, I think, honestly, I would hold out for Drive My Car in terms of what it, how good it was because I haven't seen that one yet either. I don't think there was a lot. I don't, of, the cat, of the movies that were nominated, I don't know if we had a best picture. It was just, everything was just okay this year. And Coda, I really liked it. It was a good movie. I just don't feel like it was like best picture in any way. Well, like nothing about it really stood out as, wow, this was an amazing achievement in film or anything like that. So I don't know. It's uh, I know that I'm the only one in the room who probably feels that way, but I don't know. <laughs> that's, just how, that's just how it felt when I was done. I was just kind of, I don't know. If I had seen it before it was nominated, before it won, I don't know how I would have felt. But seeing it after, it was just kind of, I don't know, nothing quite... I think what jumped out at me is, wow, this was the best picture of 2021. Then what would, I'm curious, what would you have chosen? Of the okay, ones you've ten. seen. I don't think I would, uh, of the nine, or how many was it, 10? Yeah, there was 10. I don't know. I don't know. It's a coin toss. Uh, it's several different coin tosses. Because while, you know, I do think Power Dog is a good movie, I don't know if it's the best picture either. West Side Story was probably shouldn't even have been nominated. I haven't seen Licorice Pizza. King Richard, I have not heard anybody say it was best picture. I haven't seen Dune yet. Don't Look Up seems like it shouldn't have been nominated. I don't know. I probably would have said Did you feel that way because it's more of a, I guess, dramedy than, because I feel like that no. little conversation that I want to have where it's like most of the Oscar winners, and Andrew, you're the guru, you don't see comedies or things like this win and be taken seriously it's either very artsy very dark or very drama or very romance and then if a comedy or something like this wins people go eh, it's not really that good a, a, but i again argue look at all of the filmmaking and the communication that they have to go through there is a lot of stuff that went into making this movie compared again for me compared to a lot of the other plus the other ones really are Mostly just very drab, slow yeah. drolls. I didn't find most of them. I agree with David. I didn't necessarily find them mo most of them like best picture worthy, but this one by far, in my opinion, stands out. Um. So what was the question? Do you feel well, like because it was more of a uplifting no. movie, it wasn't taken as seriously? Because that tends to be a trope. No, I, I don't think it really is impacting my feeling on it. It's just, I feel like Best Picture needs to do something or say something that like, it feels like it has never, it has to have this like unprecedented aspect about it. Like the and first deaf I, actor winning Best 
supporting actor. And that, and I and I'm not even sure I would agree with with that. I'm fine with it, but I'm not even sure after seeing it, I was like, it was okay the performances. But it, I think it doesn't have to do with it being a dramedy. I I think you look at all these other films. I don't. It's not like I'm sitting going, oh, Dune should have won. I don't think any of these that I've seen. I haven't seen Belfast. Like I said, I haven't seen Drive My Car. Maybe Drive My Car should have won. I don't know. But so it feels like nothing about this was like so special that was like, oh, I feel like I think if it had done something like the entire movie didn't have sound like that one scene. And so you're experiencing it from the perspective of the parents or something like that, where it was like a really different take on if it was like a if it was like a silent film like the artist, but it wasn't silent because it was a stylistic choice, but it was it was silent because you're hearing and seeing everything from the perspective of Tony Kotzer and Marley Matlin and her brother, that might've been like, okay, this is a really different way to tell the story where you're having to put yourself in the perspective of someone who can't hear. But uh, it was just a normal movie. There was nothing in terms of cinematography that was impressive. The director wasn't even nominated for best director, which is only the sixth time in history a best picture nominee hasn't had their director also nominated. I don't know. Visually, it was pretty average. And then I think it was well-written. I think it was a challenge. I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's a bad movie in any way. It's just, I don't know. I'm looking at this list and I'm just going, I don't think there was a best picture, a clear best picture. So it's just whatever you feel good about, you go with. So I wish I could have had this energy on our Oscar night, but I, I didn't, hadn't seen it yet. So let me say this. And we can recounter that with this. Go ahead, Andy. Is I respectfully disagree with you. Okay. So what I'm going to say right now is I think that the reason why I, I choose this as best picture is because number one, it really is, it really is the best of the bunch. It's like what Josh, I, I think it's like what Josh Garrett said. It really is the best of the bunch. And the thing is that it opens you more to a world of, of how deaf people really work. Cause you, you have to have somebody. I'm going to interrupt real quick. Can I interrupt real quick? Just because yeah. I want to. Because you just said something and David said something in his idea about how it could be different that I want to like interject on. The movie is not about the deaf family. The movie is about the child of the deaf people. I know. So it is supposed to be her perspective. Yeah. It's not supposed to give us an inside look necessarily into the life of deaf people, but into the right. life of a person who is the only speaking person in a deaf family. I know. And that's where... I've heard the criticism from the deaf community that it's like, it isn't about them. It's not using the struggle of deaf people to talk about the burden of being a hearing person amongst deaf people, which I understand that as a criticism. I'm not going to necessarily try to echo that or try to explain that because I feel like that's not really mine to explain my, my, but I understand that. I think that's where, for me, the movie falls down is because by focusing on her, on Ruby, the movie, I think, doesn't go as far as it could to really explore some of the, th some of the themes it wants to get into. But I don't know. I, it's a good movie. I'm not trying to bag on the oh, movie. I, I think not want to get yeah, sure. of bagging on it or anything like that, but I, I don't know. A, a common phrase that I've seen pop up in, in some of the negative letterbox reviews, and by negative, not like half-star assholes, but like the two-star, one-and-a-half-star, stuff like that, is Disney Channel original movie. They're comparing it to Disney Channel original movies a lot, and I feel like that is capturing 
part of what is trying to be said here, but no one can really quite pinpoint the right way to say it. I, I don't disagree. I don't agree with that take, but it's popping up a, enough to where it's I think some kind of thing. It has that vibe a little bit. It, it does feel like a little bit of a, a switched at birth situation. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that show. No. I have not really seen that show, but my wife has watched it in the background, so I have probably watched hours of Switched at Birth without seeing a full episode, which has a lot to do with the deaf community. Marley Matlin's on that show. The brother in the this movie played a character on that show. So, like, it's feel-good, and it's about family, and it's a nice... I think it's a four-star movie, but, yeah. that doesn't, but that doesn't necessarily mean I think it's best picture. I think, yeah. honestly, I think I'd probably give it to something like Tick, Tick, Boom over this. Or unfortunately, the movie, the, my top movie of last year was for the, what came out for the previous Best Picture uh, Oscars for the twenty twenty for the twenty twenty year. And that's where I think it, it is all at this point in time subjective. Because if you look at what people say were the top two contenders were uh, Coda and Power of the Dog, and I would argue that people say that Coda makes people feel and looks perfectly average like a regular movie. Power of the Dog, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But people walk away mostly going, what the fuck was that? Yeah. They also and, walk uh, away talking about how long it is, and it's really not that long, and that's yeah. troublesome. And yeah, there's what do you long do you take the pretty subjective stuff? Or I would argue that you have to consider what makes people feel as part of the art as well, because that's what the movies are trying to do. They're trying to make. So again, I'm not necessarily trying to justify the basicness of it, but what do you pick? Do you pick? the pretty looking one because it looks pretty and it's artistic and normally like what Oscars pick? Or do you pick the one that people consistently say makes them feel good and of them, people have mostly good things to say? Like at that point in time, how do you choose? You They're have both to find valid. the balance, which is why if I were a member of the Academy, I would take my vote very seriously. When yeah. Think. I don't dis. I haven't seen Tick Boom. Because I don't necessarily disagree because it's creative. It seems like it's creative and very got all of the Oscar elements that it would look for, so I'm surprised. The Oscars are about celebrating filmmaking, so you do have to weigh in some of a lot of that, the technical aspects. So I understand that, but it can't be all that because no. I don't know. To me, if you're only looking no. at technical aspects of a film, I'm going to give it to West Side Story or Dune. But if I add it all together, with which movies I thought were the most well made which movies I thought stood out the most and which movies actually made me feel something strong when I watched it, it's Coda. Mm -hmm. It's the only one in the list this year that immediately is one of these things is not like the other. It's not, it's like the anti-Oscar bait movie, I feel like. It's a happy, interesting, unique movie in a room full of blockbusters and Oscar bait. And see, I don't even feel like I would have nominated it by comparison. Like, I don't even think I would put it in best picture category. It makes me feel, I, it doesn't make me really feel anything. Like, it's just, uh, it's just a nice movie. I didn't, I did not cry or anything. Hmm. I, I know. I, I, you I, always I, talk about how I never feel anything. You should I work on that, David. I am, a, I, as you, I am a true man and I never cry. <laughs> I am, uh, it's actually going to be rest? written on my headstone. True man, David. Brest. No, no, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I could, I felt like I couldn't comment on Best Picture for the longest time just because I'd only seen like a few of the movies. I still want to knock out Dune. I still want to knock out King Richard at some point, but Don't yeah. there now. Not much point now. I don't know. I still think that this was a tough year. I think this is a tough year for Best Picture. I don't feel like any of them stood fair. out. That is, you fair. I mean, that's a fair assumption. 
I can sit here and argue with you about that all day. Unfortunately, we only have a few minutes left. So yeah. I do want to move on to have us guessing the letterbox score for this movie. Obviously, since this was a streaming film, there's not a lot of significant box office things to talk about. So we will skip over that for now. But before we start, just a few handful of, of quick letterbox reviews that are popular on the site. My favorite one, because it relates to me the most, is a three and a half star review that stands that says, CODA also stands for Cried On to Airplane. <laughs> Which is what I do. We got... Do, 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 slow loading website. Now here's a three star review that says nothing you haven't seen before, but a very good version of that, which sounds close to what David has been saying. I don't disagree that, that a lot of it is things that you can connect with, but I think there are more elements at play in this one. Uh, and then here's some of those other ones we talked about. Congratulations to the Disney Channel for finally having one of their films win Best Picture. Yeah, I think that's I think that's harsh. See, I'm not I in agree. line with those people. I'm not in line with those people. Five stars cinema really is quite a special thing. This I wasn't agree. in cinemas, but yeah. But it is cinema. It's Just because it was in a cinema, whatever. Let's guess some scores. What do you guys think? Uh, 3.8. Ooh, that's close to what I was going to do. Okay. No. I will say 4.1. Okay, okay. David went up into the four territory. We have a winner who got it dead on target. This movie is currently the second most watched film on Letterboxd for the week, so people are finding it after it after its win, and they're giving it a 3.8. Ah, good for Andrew. And Andrew got it perfect on the spot, a 3.8, which, just for fun, just to throw some... Andrew's first win of the Something year. Something in the fire. No. Hey, oh, on the board. <laughs> that is still point one point higher than the power of the dog score. So. Was that 3.7? Yeah. We didn't talk about it either. I feel like there is a thing called like a front runner uh, a fatigue where a movie jumps out to be like the hot movie of the best picture. It can happen. And then people start to go, oh, but is it best picture? And basically it, the people do what I've done with Coda, which is they hear all these all this praise for it. Then they watch and go, not that good. And so it gets, gets evened out. I do want to say before we go yeah. that Akota is the second film to win Best Picture that is a remake. How Does anybody that? know the oh. first? No. Andrew, you should know the first. Yeah, it's uh, been her. No. <laughs> Although, <laughs> according to this list of statistics I'm reading here, the first movie to win Best Picture that was a remake of a foreign film was The Departed. Oh. Of a foreign film. I thought you meant remake altogether. Oh, uh, yeah. No, no because definitely. technically My Fair Lady also won Best Picture, and that's a remake of Pygmalion, so. Yeah. All right. Well, you can find Coda on Apple TV+. Plus. It is also doing a limited run back in theaters after its Oscar win, so you can maybe check it out there. And you can find us at SoManySequels.com. We've got links to all of our socials there, and you can find us on pretty much any podcast app or on YouTube, so follow us. Also, Patreon. Patreon.com slash so many sequels. If you join, you get to join our Discord channel where we just talk about this stuff all the time. All day or day. Go sign up. One dollar, five dollar, whatever you whatever kind of dollars you can give us. That would be cool. All right. Bye. Andrew has learned a sign off. I guess I love you. I love you too. Yeah. All right. See you guys later. <laughs>